0: So the big question is this, how do the best recruiters and recruitment business owners ride the highs and lows of recruitment whilst ensuring they remain at the top? How do they stay consistent? How do they manage their time? How do they cultivate the correct mindset? And what are the best recruiters and recruitment businesses doing differently? These are the questions that all recruiters want to know the answers to. This is the podcast where I have real and honest conversations with some of the most talented recruitment professionals globally to uncover all their secrets. My name is Hisham Azouz. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. My name is Hisham Azouz. Today I'm joined by Ashley Lawrence, who is the Chief Exec at Trenova Group, which consists of four distinct brands. Um, you have Trust in Soda, which operates in the digital market. You have Broadgate Search, which operates in the governance market, BioTalent operates in life sciences, and X military Careers, which is a social enterprise. Now, across the group, they have circa 90 people and are based in London, Manchester, Dublin, um, and also in the States, in the States, uh, in the state of uh, California. Ash, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, mate. Good to uh, finally be here.
1: <laughs> so, I'm sorry. I think I've, I've um, best intentions, I think I've been I'm due on a few times and. uh you know, current pandemic and all that. I've, uh, I've, uh, um, So here I am. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Th- thanks for having me. Apologies for taking okay. me so long to get here.
0: So, so we're doing this remotely, obviously. And um, if if there if there's any sort of tension, mental issues that, that might you might experience that, but hopefully this should be absolutely fine. Um, but where I was really keen to start, Ash, and what I really want to focus on today is is the journey of Trinova Group, right? And and the four brands that I just mentioned. Um, How long have you? How but firstly, like how long have you actually been in the recruitment industry?
1: Give my age away. Um, I started in recruitment when I was uh, nineteen, and um, you know I'm 34 today. So
0: um, so what? You know, 15 years. Okay, and you started. (laughs) Sorry to remind you that, and you and you started at the infamous S3 yeah. right so j- just quickly i just want to ask you one question around that and we'll segue into you being um, a business owner etc but like what what is your opinion of the S3 culture that you think made a lot of recruitment entrepreneurs that made it so great what were the sort of key ingredients that you saw looking back <sighs>
1: I mean, that's a, that's a great question, isn't it? Um, it depends how you quantify culture and it depends how you, how, you know, and, and, and also you're making an assumption there that it was a great culture. Uh, I think it was a great environment that, that, um, you know, that, dra- that drove an unbelievable amount of competition, which drove the minimum standards. And, you know, really the lowest common denominator would probably be, in the top performers in most other recruitment businesses, you know, in the in the in the contracts team that I worked in when I started at computer Futures, you'd, pr- you'd probably say that the top twenty percent of of that business would, would you know would probably be the top one percent across the industry if, if you then built with those in twenty other businesses, just in relation to to what they may have been billing. Um, so, so so the environment was in was was incredible, you know, naturally any environment kind of stems from from leadership um i think i i was a computer futures contracts team in london you know didn't uh, started in 2006 so you know the the in, in yeah and in, in the training was unbelievable it was exceptional you know you still have conversations today the people that have have been s3 trained still refer to it still use it it's still you know, it, it still has a place in, in, in the present day, which just gives you a sense of just how good that is. A lot of that then is driven by minimum standards. It's driven by absolute accountability, uh, visibility, kind of nowhere to hide. There wasn't, there's not a great deal that, that you get in relation to toolkit outside of training. Um, really, you know, your, your role is contingency based, new business, you know, you'd celebrate high margins. You wouldn't really be able to be, be, be doing a great deal of volume with any one client because, you know, you'd absolutely not want to see any margin erosion and your average margin, would, you know, would only really be recognised as good if it was 20% and, and, and above. And, you know, in terms of having a kind of unique value proposition, you, you didn't really have one. Um, in terms of a toolkit that you could offer to your client other than your absolute ability just to just to find people quickly that again when i said was wasn't wasn't really one so all you had was just you're just surrounded with so many people that are so incredibly competent and you, just, and you just and you and you and you just had to drive competition really you know everyone everyone wanted to be um number one number one really and the commission structure just it was not very good you know it's just it is not a great commission structure so um really what, what you're you're not looking at even your earning potential so much you're just looking to be top of the leaderboard so everyone that was brought into the business was so competitive and it was always about being top of the leaderboards you know we interview people I interview people now you know 90 percent of my day is interviewing people for the various brands and often you'll you know meet people that will kind of try and carve out what their what their earning potential looks like on 150k billings i mean you just you just wouldn't do that at computer futures you know you could, could quite simply any of your any, any of the numbers that, that went into the input to kind of derive what your earning potential looked like really started at 10 grand a week weekly gp anything less than that then wasn't really celebrated you know it's almost like we well, haven't earned the right to earn a good amount earn a decent amount of commission we'll pay you well when you're when you're when you're performing at that level so um i don't you know if, 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 in all honesty it's not a it's not a culture that that we aim to replicate in any one of our businesses but in terms of the process the control the minimum standards the training then you know that's absolutely that's absolutely fantastic and there's a lot you can take from that i think um just going back to what i mentioned about the the leadership piece and and that is so important for driving the minimum standards and having so much accountability in that business you've got a guy i know ryan ryan adams was on with you was not it Yeah. i listened to that one but ryan's a good lad ryan, ryan is a great example of of someone that you know you just did it. the reason why Ryan is successful or any anyone else would be successful in that business is quite simply hard work and sacrifice you know you just you just work harder than anyone you have to demonstrate a, a huge amount of sacrifice and there was just absolutely no way that you, you would ever use the word luck you know you never you never say well he got lucky it was always when hard work meets opportunity and, and and everything anyone did it was always quantified it was like well this person is doing x because they've increased their client calls they've doubled down on their candidate calls they're coming in and working on the weekends you know it was always hard work meets opportunity rather than actually so and so got lucky so there's a, I, I was really lucky when I started in recruitment and I, I sat next to a guy called Paul Knox um he was uh him and a guy called Lawrence Doe, really were, were, were the two guys that really drove that business, drove the minimum standards, yeah, held people accountable.
0: It's interesting. So yeah, I think this is what's coming out of it. Every time I ask someone around the S three thing, it it's, it comes back to the standards, and th- those two names there. I mean, I'm in the process of um, speaking to them about coming on the podcast because a lot of people have, have sort of given them credit on on building that or the the culture they created and sort of leading the path. If you want to say that, and um, it's, so it's interesting that you mentioned them because they, they came well, up.
1: A lot. Uh, well, yeah, Noxy unbelievable uh, manager. I was, I was lucky enough to I sat next to him for the first twelve months in recruitment, and you know, I I still reference stuff that he taught me fourteen, fifteen years ago. You know, that's that, that, that's, that's how good he was, and I think a lot of it, a lot of it would would probably you know sit with 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 him as an individual in terms of how how that culture kind of or, or the environment of having an absolute incredible team um, existed, but you know, for for for, for someone like Noxie, yes, absolutely is a massive part of that. But when I when I did my um, when I did my MBA dissertation, I was in, in interviewing lots of like recruitment entrepreneurs, corporate finance people, private equity people to kind of triangulate a perspective of what really drives value in a recruitment business. So without wanting to overcomplicate this, you've got like EBITDA and then multiple that's applied to that. And one of the guys that I interviewed was Russell Clements. And he was the group CEO of S3. And, and I, you know, I was, when I was asking him about what derived value, what were the things that S3 did to really go and capture the market, not just in the UK, but around the rest of the world. And I was expecting things like, you know, leveraging debt, first move advantage into Russia or, um uh interbrand synergies or you know what what, whatever you might expect to look like from 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 a from a ceo of FTSE 250 but actually what his 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 answer is really interesting because it's probably what resonates throughout the entire entirety of s3 certainly when, when he would have been there and certainly when i was there which is it's about minimum standards it's about having these minimum standards that then compounds to becoming the competitive advantage. It's not doing any one thing. It's not. Um, it, it's it's not being at your desk at 8:31. You know, it's being at your desk and ready to work by 8:30 and on the phone. It's not being late. It's 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 going in on weekends if you need to go in on weekends. And it's just something. Un- it, it was it was a very it was a small thing. You know, having, having a tie on at your desk, being well presented. Um, it was it was those things that were really high standard and that's what kind of compounds if you think about that many people that many locations and if you uphold those minimum standards it's those things that really enable you to compete and it was a little bit like you know like sparta or, or 300 where you know the the or like the marines you know 99.9 percent need not apply it's like that that was the business and the the the, the environment was that no one else can compete with us and 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 actually no no other recruitment business really exists you know there's a and it's an even then was an incredibly saturated landscape and it is a very saturated sector and but really being s3 you were in a bit of a bubble you didn't really know anywhere else existed and and nor were you ever really made reference to anyone else it was quite simply well you know you, you you work for compute futures and you work for this team and by virtue of that, you're the you know you're in the top one percent of the industry, and, and and this is what we expect from you. So it's a bit it's a bit of a long winded answer to probably what should have been a really straightforward question. No, no, make, that's, I, I think
0: that you you you're the first person you've spoken about that S three environment in a different way, and I think that that's really interesting. But that that's really interesting around the yeah when you're speaking to Russell Clements around what makes a recruitment business more valuable or builds the equity value, and actually it was about yeah the. The, the compound or minimum standards that's really interesting so okay how, so how sorry there's a there's just on that
1: point there's a really good book called earn the right to win it's a uh, I actually think it's meant to be a business book but it's about minimum standards and it was about I think he's an NFL coach and it was all the things that he used to make sure the players got right so similar things like be it training on time make sure you get enough sleep make sure your nutrition is right you know make sure that you're Basically, you're 110% of the version of what you can be. And there's a really interesting book around a load of stuff that, that, that they would do. And it's just, it's just the small things like, you know, business, business cards, right? You, you know, you, you celebrate when you've, when you've run out of a box of business cards because you've done, you know, you've done your job, you're out there, you're in front of people that should be celebrated. Just lots of little things like that. It's, it's uh, very similar in terms of what that book what is in that book, and actually, what what, what S three did as, as, as a business? Or I, I say S three when I was, there, I think there was nine brands. I'm really only referring to to Compute Futures, which was you know, probably you know a little bit biased, but was probably the number one
0: brand. Of, 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 <laughs> there we go. That's uh, that's, but, that's, yeah. that's 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 that mentality, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. <laughs> okay. So okay. So let, let's just let's just give context for people and break this down. Love. I, no, I really enjoyed you talking about S three and that. I think that's really interesting. So. So in 2009, you started the business with Strategic Move, uh, started a business called Strategic Move, which ultimately was a wreck to right? So you yeah. did that from what, what I can see, um, correct me if I'm wrong, did that for near six years? Yes, correct. Yeah, did that for six years. And then in 2013, you started the first brand within the Trinova Group, which is Trust & Soda. Correct. A year later, Broadgate Search. Correct. And then for the last two and a half years you've also added biotalent and then and then and then throughout has ex-military careers been part of it
1: so so um so so biotalent was january 2018 so, so um soda was incorporated in august 2013 broadgate january 2015 biotalent january 2018 roll up to the trinovo group really was january 2019 and ex-military Careers as a as a social enterprise was really founded before all of that. That was a that was a an initiative that me and my brother launched to help that excuse me help veterans um, find employment uh, or help with the kind of uh, transition in that uh, move from kind of the military into city street and you know recognize the the uh, need for training and demystification and and actually um, you know put present day ex military careers is um as a social enterprise is we advertise about seven thousand vacancies from about three hundred and fifty different clients across the UK and predominantly the US. And as I say that that that's a social enterprise that kind of operates at net neutral and as a non for profit. But okay um yeah that, that 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 was really founded by my brother and and I in two thousand thirteen and it's just grown organically and exponentially year on year.
0: Okay. Cool. So so we're gonna intend to sort of break down the sort of key moments, the learnings mistakes right so i think what's interesting about your journey and what i know so far ash is that trust and soda was a joint venture with someone that had a plan um and was something someone that you was getting involved with to, to back but also obviously offer expertise and be involved with right and then broad search obviously you you started that with uh, ben adams who's again someone that you started it with someone else um and then in terms of the buyer talent, again, it was you getting involved with other people that were going to really focus and, and drive that. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> <Quite>. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, so I think I just find that so interesting, right? So, I think, um, firstly, for me, what, what I'd love you to sort of just speak about, I guess, real benefit of hindsight here that, um, talking about the start of this journey with these brands and, and what you know now. But I guess the first thing, is like, how much did it help having that black book of recruiters when you started this business? Like, how much did that help at the beginning in terms of knowing exactly who you wanted to get involved in those things? I mean, absolutely. you know, it, it,
1: quite simply, it absolutely helps. Um, you know, we were, when we had launched Soda, uh, I think was, you know, at the kind of time where where being on site or the MSP and RPO proposition was was, was becoming more of a kind of, BAU solution to to equipment as we know it and kind of move away from agencies being able to deliver on a contingency based business, uh, basis and high margins and, and and low volume approach was just 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 ceasing to exist so uh, from a timing perspective it helped because I you know I knew a, a, a lot of recruiters that actually were deciding to to go on site and actually then they were they were great contacts when we when we launched soda and in um and in, in, in building out a kind of client portfolio but the it's also help, helpful naturally to, as we you know scaling um uh Trust in soda you know there wasn't there wasn't a, it was dave and i that set up soda and there wasn't a you know, dave, dave wasn't coming with a team of six or eight people that that, that he wanted to be financed really it was him and i with a joint venture and i was able really to, to lean on my network and i think i brought in the first six or eight hires um through my network in Soda, and you know, a handful of those hires are still with the business and in director roles. Haley's out in the US, and um, Sam's an associate director for our Perm team, for example. So, you know, those guys are still with us and have been with us really since inception. So, okay. so to not to not to underplay it, it's, it's it, it it was great. You know, it's it's superb. The um uh that 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 being said, because because we wanted to have that agility, you know, we were mindful of my network really and, and, um, and not wanting to be too regimented in, in our structure and that we really be reliant on a handful of good recruits coming in to help us shape the proposition. The short for that really is not having from, from day one, a really robust vision and plan. And, and, and that's sort of the opportunity cost is, is, is arguably, you know, are you, are you better off not to have a networking recruitment whatsoever? And uh, you've got a really strong plan and a vision and, and start there and don't deviate from that is, is you know, is, is one approach counter to the, you know, just be more fluid, be a bit more agile, shape the business as you identify talent. That was our approach. But so know, is, that,
0: you- is, that, is that something that would you, is that something that you'd ch- 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 like, do you think you, if you were to start again? Because I, I, so I've heard you say before that when you start recruitment bits, you should you should try and start with the end in mind. So in terms of the vision, value proposition, do you think that's something that you'd actually iron out and focus on? I think that's typically something that people w- won't spend time on or think about is get money in the bank and it's it's get those things rather than the importance of the, the vision. Do you think that's something that you change? Um Mate, one hundred percent. Having a plan is
1: just is, is business critical uh, for for me anyway. In, in in setting out, you know, having a plan is as as not as critical as cash flow, though, right? You know, so of you, you 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 need cash. Otherwise, you're, you're, the the plan is a little bit redundant. But um, so that so there is that piece where you you have to make placements. You haven't got the luxury of not making placements and really in 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 the early years you haven't really got the luxury of turning things down you know d- d- despite wanting to stick to a plan and um and the value proposition really you 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 haven't got the luxury of turning things down and cash flow is king but it shouldn't detract from having a plan and a vision because because that helps with engagement and it helps when you're selling the business not just to people to come and join you but actually when you're speaking to to clients really and you're shaping you know what makes you unique how do you differentiate ultimately what's in it for them and that story is so so important and so powerful, and how you communicate that story is really important. And um and maybe that we we weren't great at that in in you know in the in the first or second year of soda. You know, fast forward to Trinovo Group present day, our mission, our purpose, our values, it it just absolutely drives the business. But it's a different business. It's you know close to 90 in headcount at three brands and and four locations and. Twenty-nine million pound turnover. So you, so you afforded you, you haven't got the luxury of, of of not having a plan and and yeah. and having a purpose for employee engagement. But equally, it's a very different business to to when you set Everyone's up day dying. one, which is just got to put cash in the bank, you know. But yeah. having a plan definitely helps with that. So you know that's okay. like, that's, that's definitely one thing that I that I didn't do was, was have a plan. That I pro- pro- probably if I was gonna if I was gonna do anything tomorrow, you know, you'd have a really
0: robust plan. Um, so just to help me out then, so Ash Lawrence, when you started Soda with Dave and then sort of, I guess, fast forward a year, another business involved and these things, but like what does a typical day look like for you? Like what what I'm sure it's changed, but overall, what have been your core responsibilities as the executive of this growing business that you've you've grown quickly? sorry what 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 is the what's day-to-day no no for you as Ashley Lawrence the chief exec of the the, these businesses these brands like what have what have you ended up focusing on you said at the beginning of this that 90% of your time now is spent looking obviously you're speaking to people potentially working for the group but like what have been your core responsibilities because you wasn't someone that got in the tools hadn't recruited in digital since you was an S3 so like for you, what what have been your focuses, or what have been your responsibilities within within this journey of the last um, few years? Just to help me out on that. Yeah, no, that makes I mean, I'm still very, very client
1: facing. You know, uh, still since inception until present day it's still very. You know, I bring in lots of lots of clients, and we we'll nurture relationships. And there's no, there's no getting away from that for uh, for me. I I still do deals now. You know, I. I uh, did a deal last week a big statement of work that um at trinovo group level a big csr project so um that was nice to put that deal on the board last last week so, so asked the, asked the, that i the, actually response.
0: um so that was one that was like how why why is that a, why is that a big moment because that, that was one of the the questions that ben wanted me to speak about around winning that csr project like why it, 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 Ben, ben Ben adams Ben adams yeah Ben adams as to like why is that important to you guys because he he believed that that sort of really embodies the vision for your your business and the group how, how, many, how many how many questions have you got how many questions <laughs> have you got prepared for me <laughs> got a few but like well yeah why is uh, that why was that important why was that an important moment
1: um it's a groundbreaking project um it's its its focus is it really um, it really brings together a, a number of 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 our business's parts. Its focus is is basically our mission is to turn over a group is to build diverse teams that represent the world we live in. And the the project in itself is is basically driven behind having unconscious bias in the in the sourcing and screening process, and then delivering a diverse candidate pool that you know is is difficult to reach and and from a social impact perspective, what the project is, it, it, it doesn't get announced for, for a week, until a week today, but from a, for a social impact perspective, it's a fantastic initiative, which um, aims to find a thousand uh, graduates and apprentices that have been di- displaced due to COVID. And it brings together 10 of the world's leading brands as, for, for this initiative. And Trinovo and Group were appointed as the, um, as the uh exclusive resourcing partner that will work, that will filter this, the screening process and the reason why I said that why, why that's you know f- firstly I just think it's a fantastic fantastic thing to do you know in, in in terms of having being involved with a project of that type but but it brings together a number of, of parts for us so you know we've got dNI framework we won APSCO, uh dNI award for excellence last year the year before we' finalists for cSR um and we were able to really bring that together in a more of a distinct sort of narrative and a bit of a story around how our businesses has, has reached maturity and our focus being that we're able to provide our clients with sort of meaningful data um, and insights that enables them to build diverse teams. And it was a lot of work that went into it. And um, and I see that as I wouldn't say it's first mover advantage because I think other recruitment businesses are able to do that, but that will become more BAU as as, as before,
0: yeah. I think that you know, that's two, that, that's a question that's coming up for me, Ash. If I'm listening to it, like, firstly, I think that's amazing. I think love the mission. I think it's great, uh, and and I love that. So I guess commercially, if I'm listening to this right now, like, how just just quickly on this, I know it's not just about this, right? It's about the vision and the purpose. But how is that? How is that mission? How is you guys talking about these things? These are things you want to impact. These are things that. You're really motivated about making a difference for these businesses you work with. How has that given you a commercial advantage over other businesses that might have been bidding for that statement of work? Like, how does that help? If I'm listening right now, should I be thinking about that? Is it just a sound? It sounds nice, but like, how has that actually helped? How have you found it's helped you over the last few years? More recent, this project. How has it helped you have a competitive advantage?
1: Um, quite simply, it's it's in it's in hiring and culture because if you want to, if we're investors in people goals and we want to reach investors in people platinum this year, there's a, there's a great deal that goes into that, but simply for me stems from having value based hiring assessments, you know, so we, our values being been passion, collaboration and innovation. And if what you do is, is, is your interview assessments look like values based assessments and, and actually how you remunerate, reward, promote and, and, and recognize, um, consultants based on values and not just revenue. You know, that, 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 that's why, when you asked me earlier about S3 or Compute futures and it being a great culture, it was not a great culture as a good environment um, for, for high performers. A good culture for me is about employee engagement and people enjoying coming to work and being able to have the freedom to innovate. You know, you wouldn't get the freedom to innovate at, at, at computer futures really. You're fairly binary, you're square, square peg, square hole. Cog is part of the machine. There's no real freedom to innovate. But to innovate, you have to have a, a, a culture that celebrates failure and iterations of that failure, look like innovation. So, so to answer the question, the why that's great for us to to to, to win has been a it's actually the, the people part of it. It's it stems from us really reshaping what was important in our business, and it wasn't necessarily billings, You know, we reshaped it and we we had it focused on on values and then that, that gives you great people in the business it improves your um improves your churn rate and we've got a you know this kind of organic and meritocratic growth as part of your culture is super important as well um but it all stems from from values and having the right values and living by those values and and really employee engagement and innovation billings for me are a byproduct of of having a fantastic culture so
0: do, um, do you ask do you do you think a recruitment business that isn't is nowhere near your size 10 people 8 people 12 people do you think they have a culture and should put an importance or priority on values if 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 i was g- gonna start again tomorrow
1: having a plan uh you know number one but having a having a having values absolutely is is critical Having a mission, having a, a purpose, is just so important. It's just so important for employee engagement. But equally, it becomes part of your narrative and in, in what differentiates you to your clients as well. You know, we we didn't get that right from inception. And I worked with a guy called Mike Smith. He's, a, he's a, he was on the board of S3 actually. He was, a, he was the MD. Yeah, I know yeah. so, Mike. Yeah, actually. So Mike was with us for for a couple of years, and he's brilliant. And and the, when I sat down with Mike for the first time, because I was looking to bring in a non-exec, and um, the first thing he said to me was, what is your mission and what are your values? And it's it's almost embarrassing to and say- And what, what
0: thinking, year, timeline of business, is quickly, on just for context? So that, yeah,
1: that, that would have been probably at the end of
0: 2015.
1: Yeah. There's a really good book called Traction, by the way, that I'd recommend for anyone if if they're gonna, you know, if you're thinking about setting up your own business is start from chapter one in traction and follow yeah, follow it's that path. Great, it, it? It is, well, it, it, as a book, it's sort of kind of built for businesses that are probably 40 people looking to get to 80. Um, there's some shortfalls in there, but um, but it's still suitable for people that want to set up, from, set up from day one because it's about vision and purpose and and engagement and, and actually sales become a bit of a byproduct. So, so, so that book is great, but but I was lucky in in working with Mike. Mike was almost a, a real, you know, it was a real life example of, of of talking me through that process. And so, yeah, he was he he was very good. But uh, to answer the question, absolutely, value should should, should be day one.
0: Okay. So, j- just one more thing that I wanted to ask you around, um, sort of early days, knowing what you know now. We always talk about in this podcast around. Hiring is one of the biggest challenges, getting the right people. But what see, so the things that you're talking about now, Ash, a common theme that I'm finding is sort of if you're a recruitment business owner and you do want to grow, you do want to scale, you have to have the mentality and do things that um, you should be doing at a certain stage before you're doing it. So it's the things you're talking about have values, have a vision, in these things. But typically, what seems to happen with businesses that don't scale is that They'll they'll say to themselves, I'll do that when we get to fifteen heads, or I'll do that. I'll I'll think about values when I get to the twenty milestone or whatever. So what I wanted to ask you was because what keeps coming up again is around the processes around um, getting people to do things that means that Ash is then spending time on the other things. Like for your operations team and the the non-billing part of the business, who would be your first three hires if you would if you if you were to do that, did you hear that?
1: I just, it literally just, sorry mate, it's the internet literally just broke out for a second. No, I, think, I think what, it's what you said, what would be your first three operations hires? Yeah. Okay, that's
0: good, that's it. Um, <laughs> and and what, what, would the, what would the size of the team team be? So, so let's say that I'm listening to this and I'm like, right, you know what? I, I've, I've been, I've just been coasting. I, I'm serious about growing my business, like, and, it's time and time again, it seems like you have to do make these decisions as if you're already there, right? That you're at the point that you want to get to, sort of thing. That that's what keeps coming up with the the business owners that I speak to the so, uh, fifty plus heads or whatever. So, and and having operations, having the right tools, always seems to be the. All people go. I wish I got a operations manager before I did. I wish I got this person before I did. So, I guess it could be tools, it could be people, but what would be like the three things that you 'd invest in that would be perceived as non billing that you think yeah. would really give you the best chance of scaling with the right foundations okay um, first and
1: foremost, finance and accounting right you know you, 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 you need to know what cash you 've got uh, you need to know meaningfully what your, you know what your your nFI is what you want it to be what your triggers to hire is what your cost of sales are' you know, it's super important you know that cash flow piece is is critical to growth so Having someone in the finance and accounting role actually isn't isn't an expensive hire, and it doesn't need to be doesn't need to be a full time hire. You know, we we outsourced our accounting function until we were about 30, 40 people. It was outsourced, um, and and getting getting a real sense of of, of your numbers uh, for me is is absolutely critical. If, if we can include that into an operation, yeah, uh, an operations hire. Um, I would then say. Kind of depends if you're, you know, if you're, if you're doing contract or contract or, or perm, but again, it doesn't need to be a full-time hire. But someone in a training and development role, um, you know, we've got we've got um, that, that that's you know that, that, that in all honesty is a hire that we should have made well ahead of, of, of when we actually did. And we still don't have someone in a full-time L and D role. We use um, we use Jeremy for our academies and we use Ashley Rice for our Future Leaders program. And again, you know, he's kind of sort of based on demand. We can we can use them. Jeremy, we work with more of a on a quarterly basis now, based on our kind of academy and hiring needs, and and actually helps us with that organic meritocratic growth piece of people that want to become future leaders and, and run teams. So having someone in a training and development role, it it does give you scale. It gives you the opportunity to scale because if if your business is basically saying, well, we're ten people now and we want to get to thirty. But I tell you what, I can't get there because I just can't find twenty half million pound billers. You, you, you it, you know that that's then it, then it's your fault as a business owner to ever expect there to be twenty half million pound billers ever actively looking in the market, and ever and, and ever looking to to join your business. You know, so to be proactive in that, to have an academy that enables you to have some certainty on headcount growth. Um, you need a training and development piece. S3 was so successful because it had the most unbelievable training infrastructure, and it had this kind of constant stream of people. You know, by, by that size, you just factor churn into growth trajectory and headcount, and you know, you get rid of the people that can't quite make it, and continue to invest into training. So, yeah, we, you know, we, we we're not big on the churn piece, but we've invested heavily into training. And actually, as I say. As a business, even as ten people, that, sh- that should be an operations hire, but it doesn't need to be a full-time hire. You know, you can bring people in on a quarterly basis or as and when you want to see spikes yeah. in, so in count,
0: hiring. So, finance, learning, development. What would be the final one? So,
1: I'm, can't, I'm, can't, I'm 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 a little bit torn in this because I want I want to say marketing, but then, but personally, I. <laughs> It, it, and, and we and we have a great marketing going in our business but but I, but I think that would be misleading people in that marketing is is an operations role because I think sales and marketing are the same thing and actually you get your consultants doing the right things when they should be doing them and doing them correctly actually your marketing is into the fabric of your business and your sales consultants recognize the value of just basically being amazing marketers that's so I, I I wouldn't want to mislead people by saying well hire a marketing person you would be great at marketing because actually the opposite is probably true you need a, a, a better integrated solution so if I wasn't if I wasn't going to pick marketing which would be the obvious one you'd, you'd probably say an operations person or operations manager that can then basically just let the sales sell you know let them just 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 do their job there's so much. As a, as a smaller business probably more so as a smaller business maybe than it's when you're when you're a larger business you have economies of scale you know as a smaller business you can just get you can just get swamped with um with stuff you know on the phone to to, to job board yeah all sorts
0: yeah yeah definitely yeah i think that that's one of the okay that that's really interesting so what i wanted to um also get your thoughts on ash so so i've heard you say that I think this might have been in line or the right sort of timeline with um, Mike Smith getting involved as well, which I'd, I'd be keen to because a lot of business owners I feel want any of these. I've had that conversation with loads of people, but a lot of people sat down with people that they're like, nah, don't rate them at all, whatever, and sort of not sure it yeah. makes a good NED, right? But I heard you say before, Ash, around that you got to around the 25 heads mark. Broadgate was at this point, Soda was existed then. Um, and you finally got round to actually finding out what the traits were, the personality traits were of, of the people in your business, and you had no okay. one that were completers or finishers. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. That so, a, a, yeah. yeah. So yeah. So I think that's really interesting, right? So I think for me, there's a bit, there's a bit in there around. How do you think that's held you back at that beginning stage? Because it seems like you had to go through that those first two years, and then you made changes. But how do you think that for that sort of potentially held the business back, and also. Psychometric testing, finding out how your people function. How important is that? Is doing that sooner rather than later. Um, so I guess so, so
1: I, I I'll answer them in the order, mate. But but uh, like it, so just 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 quickly on NEDs, uh, non except directors, and 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 having someone that's been there, that's done it. It's it, the, really what you're what you're what you're paying for, for want of another words, is is where they've failed, where where they've got it wrong. That that's the great advice. It's like I've done it. I lost a lot of fortune doing it, and I certainly wouldn't be doing this again. And you know that—that's really what you're buying. So to have an NED that's, you know, is a bit of a, is tried and tested, and has is, 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 is earned the stripes is is super important. And and actually, I could sympathise with um, most people who have, have found varying degrees of success because um, because I found the same. You know, uh, there's there's a lot of a lot of guys out there and girls that are doing non exec roles and. And I think if you get the right one, it's it's imperative. I mean, arguably you could put that in there with those operations hires. What yeah. one one day a month with a non-exec is, is fairly critical. The next next part being the behavioural assessment. That was a Belbin behavioural assessment um, that I rolled out when I was doing the organisational behaviour module of my MBA, and I found it super interesting. It was a you know people's perception of themselves isn't necessarily. The reflection the, the, the perspective that other people have from then so you sort of prior this 360 assessment and it's really almost enlightening for the recipient that realizes you know actually i'm, I'm not the creative director that i think i am I'm, I'm a bit of a wally and, and <laughs> you know <laughs> i'm actually better off at this and and, and um and then when you, you look at that in balance on in a team you know you have strengths and weaknesses so your your strengths just place your strengths you know your weaknesses just become allowable if you're in the balanced team and that's why you know the difference in culture when you think about s3 to our business s3 business had the same kpis for everyone everyone had the same you know uh, amount of calls for candidates clients tvs sent, interviews offers you know it was all the same very individual and it completely overlooks that what's important about culture is playing to people's strengths, engagement, and them enjoying their job. So we use Cube 19 as a, our, our dials and KPI metrics that actually you, you can shape the KPIs based on someone's strengths. And if you're fantastic in this one area, then we can, you know, we, we, we can shape your performance indicators to have you working in that area and you enjoy it and you're engaged. And we've provided you with a team that... Gives you balance and a bit more like complete finishes, and that, then actually that works pretty well, and and that's what that behavioural assessment taught me when I when I did it. Um, you know, do, do, do we use them in the psychometric testing in the interview process? Um, currently, no, we don't. Um, we, it is definitely something that we're that we're looking into. Um, I think there's a, there's there can be. I think it can be difficult, difficult for, for for me personally. You know, I think it can be difficult to to judge someone based on a on a score that they've done, and you don't know what the environment looks like. You don't know how long it's taken them. You don't know what frame of mind they were in at the time of taking it. You don't know. You know, it's, it's a, there's a lot that goes into a test itself that might have um, that might have influences that you, you're not aware of. Personally, I've I've, I've always I've always interviewed. This is this this is not a recommendation, by the way, but I've always interviewed without a CV. You know, I've just walked into <laughs> the room and, and got a sense of someone almost immediately with with um, type of character they were and how they conducted themselves, how they spoke. You know, it was always more important to me than than what was on the CV. So um, I think our business is having to grow up a little bit in that sense, and you know, with the m- multiple locations and the headcount growth we want to see, we we do need to have maybe a little bit more certainty or certainly provides team leaders managers and directors with with more of a toolkit into making the correct assessment so psychometric okay. assessment probably features there but i've never you know it, 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 I've, I've never let a psychometric test hold me back from that it, in, in, yeah in that, that's
0: fair enough okay so so just on on this point ash what, what i'd be really keen to just get your thoughts on is more about you personally really so again what i, I keep learning from Recruitment business owners that successfully scaled their businesses is that they've had to get really good at empowering their people, right? And what that means is is that you have to get better and more comfortable at allowing people to do things that I don't know. Early on, you might have thought that you could have done better, or these types of things, right? And that might be you personally, or it might be the leaders underneath you. But I guess yeah. for Ashley Lawrence in this business, it's growing. This become sort of a real big vehicle now. Loads of people involved. I think one of the things that a lot of small business owners struggle with is, is the letting go, is the letting go of certain things, right? And you've yeah. obviously kept involved with certain parts, but like, how have you made sure personally, as the chief exec of, of this business at development, how have you always tr- ensured that you've got a purpose and you haven't lost that, you know?
1: Yeah. it so uh, yeah, it's interesting, isn't Because, like, you know, succession plow, uh, planning, um, efficient delegation, empowerment are all are all big parts of being a good leader. But is is the question more, you know, if you do that too often, then you haven't
0: got a job. I think because that's what can hold people back in doing it. Oh, like, mate. How, I mean, if, how it, have it, you it, sort of? How have you sort of? Yeah, how have you dealt with that?
1: Um, if. If you are, if it depends what t- type of business you you, you, you want to build, right? It, it, if your business is predominantly driven by the, your own ego and it's a bit of a lifestyle choice, then you might really struggle with that. If you want to build a, a a big business and multitude of locations and really drive value, you have to get out of the way, right? Because you have to hire people that are better than you. It's just, there's, there's, and that's easy for me to do. Do you know? <laughs> there's plenty of people out there. So you wouldn't, you know, you. We, you know we, we hired a fantastic um, chief operations officer and it would be silly for me to hire someone at that level and just be in the way all the time you know you, you you've got to make good hires you've got to, you got you it comes up all the time and it's I actually hate hearing it but you don't want to be the most you know the most most intelligent or the, the clever the smartest yeah, guy in the yeah, room yeah. you know that, that that that's fairly true so to get growth you need empowerment to get growth you need to hire good people around you and good people want headroom to grow and, and progression and and um, succession planning and it, 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 it is part of scaling a business so, so really you have to get out of the way so for, for, for me i'll do the job until i stop and join it you know it's, yeah. it's like and I, and if there's someone better better than me to do the job and i'm you know i'm sure i'm sure there will be but while, while i'm as passionate as i am and you know and absolutely committed to to, to the job and and you know driving the right behaviors through the organization and setting the right minimum standards and continuing for me to you know what, what, what i feel are the, the you know the number one privately owned business in in, in our spaces then you know while while, while we are that business then and i think i've got a job but i think i don't, I'm not sure I'm not sure but you you, you basically want to to, to yeah, to, to, to get scale, you need you need to get other people to to do those roles, and then get out of the way and give them room for progression. And mm. and at some point, you know, when, when when the business wants to go from 150 to to 400 heads, maybe I'm not the right person for for, for that role. Because but then but I would have to recognise that and and either empower someone internally or bring someone in externally that is able to do that job. But it, it, you know, for me, it's always what's in the best interest of the business. It's not about you know, my ego. I, I I want to be the CEO of, the, of of the group forever. So as long as I feel I'm capable and competent and I'm passionate, and um, you know, if, if we identify someone that's more more competent, capable, and passionate, then, then then that's in the best interest of everyone in the business and and for me as well. Because when you set up a business, you're an equity holder, it's like owning the house. You need to you want to see that export value grow, and sometimes that 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 means that you 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 don't live in it day to day. So it's um. We'll 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 see, but but you know, current, currently I'm in, I'm enjoying it and there's there's plenty to do. I think I mentioned earlier the large part of my job is is interviewing, you know, is is ensuring that we've got putting the right people in the right roles and providing headroom and passive for progression for people that are competent and capable and and you know, organisationally ensuring that we've got that continued growth trajectory and internationalisation and improving our operational efficiencies and. Creating the right infrastructure that's going to enable us to continue to scale. That's you know that's it takes a bit. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot there. (laughs) Um, So
0: so this this leads me quite nicely into we've got about fifteen minutes, haven't we? Right? Is that yeah cool? Yeah. So so this just leads me quite nicely into what I wanted to ask you because what 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 has been key parts of enabling you to scale is getting involved with people that ultimately can help you do that right in terms of the different brands and these things. So. You're talking. You were talking about some of the traits there. What you're talking about is having some the real humility to sort of uh, pre, um, understand that there will be people better than you in these things. Your ego is not in the way. But so the the likes of Dave Ben, the other the other people, or, or the other person that you got involved with for bio talent. What were the James. Common, James? What what were the what were the common traits that you saw in them that the that, that left you feeling really confident to to help them or be part of their journey? What were the common traits you think that the recipe for for them to have the a good chance they're going well um in, interestingly mate i i i don't think there
1: were common themes um and i i think that's what makes you know if you can if you can get balance right if you can you know you don't want everyone having the the same traits or demonstrating the same behaviors or have have the same strengths to build a team um you know you need you need people's um skills to to complement one another. So, like, in, in Dave, right, he's incredibly creative, is is big focus on branding and marketing. Ben from a, you know, in a it's, it's incredibly commercial, fantastic, you know, in front of clients, probably one of the hard, hardest workers I've ever worked with. James is a fantastic salesperson, but brilliant when it comes to, like you know, systems, operations, and control. Um, DJ, he's missing from that list, but we hired last year as our chief, operations officer brings that together then from a really from a robust operations finance and accounting perspective so you when you're on a board when you're in a board meeting you've got an uh, an incredible balance and skill set and and different individuals that bring different things to the table and that i think is really important and and and, you know if, if if any anyone's looking to set up tomorrow um and you're and you're thinking who should i do it with probably wouldn't necessarily think about who's your best mate at at that time you know you're more thinking about who do i admire and and who what can they teach me that i don't already know and how can they complement my skill set you know that that would probably be the individual um you'd want to look to in in setting up on your own because complementary skill sets are so important
0: yeah. Okay. Interesting. I think that's what makes this industry so exciting, right? Right, that how you've done things and who you are and the characteristics that make you does like and I know it could be the opposite, but still have as much or more success, right? There there isn't a real clear cut of what you need to be. I th- I think no. I find that super interesting. Um Yeah. And um, was you gonna say something? I was
1: just gonna say, I mean, I don't think I don't think any anyone's found the secret recipe of of um you know, this is this this is what the this is what a half a million pound biller looks like as a trainee. You know, no, no, yeah. no one's got any certainty on that, and you can try and refine it and, and put science towards it. It just a lot of it is environment, a lot of it is stuff that you just can't teach, a lot of it is willingness and desire and and the ability to to just work work hard. You know, it's it's, it's difficult to instil that, and it usually for me stems from stems from um, you know right 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 down to sort of Childhood, really. So, so there's there's so much that goes into understanding the behaviors of someone and and, and why they might be successful. And I certainly haven't worked out what what, what that is. Okay. But I, you know, but if, if I think about our business, business, Trinovo Group as a business, and I think about S S, just sorry to keep on going back to to, to using S3 or computer Futures. But you know, we we, we have got more creative consultants than than the business that I was at when I started Computer Futures, you know. I've got to give a shout-out to Oliver um, Perry and also to, to Kevin Adam, who were both in our, uh, Borget and Soda in, in, in Ireland and, you know, how they innovate and how they do things differently and how they encourage other people and drive engagement. You know, they're, they're two of the better examples across the industry for me. And then if I think about billing consultants, you know, we've got... we've. I've, people in our own business now that 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 bought that bill more in, on on contracts than than people I'd work with at computer futures so it's um but if you if you look at the themes in those individuals you know the, the the business has to provide the infrastructure it has to it has to provide a great deal of time there's a maturity curve that goes with someone understanding your organization and being able to do things differently and being encouraged to to try and innovate so it's not a one size fits all approach but I think if you're an organisation that can give people freedom, a little bit of headroom, with the right infrastructure around training and development, you're you're doing as much as you possibly can to to get a consultant to succeed in your business.
0: Okay. So uh, as we come as we come to the end here, Ashley I've got what I want to ask you one more question, and I want to I just want to get your thoughts on sort of how you've approached the last couple of months. So so the, the, this question actually. Um, um, Lauren, me, Lauren Trent encouraged me to ask you this. So I think on on the face of it, right, I'm sure you know this, but there's a lot of recruitment agencies in the UK. The number always changes, but circa around 30,000, 30, let's say 80% of those are sub-10 staff. So on the face of it, a lot of people will look at you and your business and think it's just completely out of reach, never going to be that or these things in terms of the size, profitability, whatever. But Obviously, if you think about over the last few years or just the whole journey so far, what do you think have been the sort of biggest factors to the success so far, do you think? Um, um,
1: Who asked that question? Lauren Trent? Yeah. Got to give her a shout now. (laughs) Lauren recently um, recently made a shareholder last Friday, actually. we, We rolled out our EMI scheme and and then uh, we, had, we had just under 20 people become shareholders of the group. That's and and, and, and that's, uh, that's an ingredient for success in itself. You have to, you know, we, how, uh, how have we been able to get that scale? Firstly, you need to be in sectors that can scale. Um, you, need to, you need to have the right infrastructure. You need to have the right people in the right roles, the right financial and performance metrics in place. Um, Collaboration collaboration is super important uh you know encouraging your consultants to share information and not um you know not not, not work as individuals i think um I think the higher piece it stems from though you know in, in in getting that right, getting the right people in the right roles, and then equally providing a path of progression but but you know not saying well you've lucky you you've got a job here's a phone and a computer, come back to me when you built half a million pounds you know it's a bit more like these are the stepping stones that we the that we'll lay out to help you get there and it's the business's responsibility to do that. I think I think often the, the that narrative needs to change a little bit. I think some businesses there's a level of expectancy that you give someone a job on a phone and, 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 and they owe you something and, and, and actually they don't as a, as a business you you should recognise your responsibility to to invest in into so many different areas and I think that's I think it's us recognizing that in terms of, you know, we've got a great operations function, a great shared service and our business has really scaled when we got there. You know, we've got um, HR manager and compliance manager and chief operations officer, finance and accounting manager, marketing manager, director of internal recruitment. You know, the, the, these are, these effectively to a lot of businesses look like quite high cost of sales and they're not prepared to invest into it. And actually I share that perspective. I was very similar to that in my first couple of years. I just thought it seemed like a quite, a, quite high cost and and actually it's that operational piece is is so important having having that infrastructure as a as a a support function that's going to enable you to scale um i think i think i think you know in the in the last few years we've invested heavily in those areas and and quite simply recruitment we shouldn't overcomplicate it's it's just getting the getting the right people you know and and get them in the right roles and provide the right retention tools let people earn well give them a path of progression that might look like building manager with p&l responsibility and then a continued path beyond that and um to get up to, to 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 build a big business you have to basically be prepared to give give some of it away you know give it to the people that are working really hard day to day and enable them to to, to benefit from the business's success um
0: yeah love that so before we finish ash I wanted to just get your thoughts on what what your sort of mindset has been over the, the sort of COVID period. I'm sure, Like, what, what were your sort of headcount growth goals before COVID? Um, uh, what were headcount growth goals? I mean, we've, we've increased our headcount during COVID.
1: We're, That's
0: we're, what I mean. So I just, so yeah. why I ask you that is because I think, and obviously just because me and you having chats and stuff, I feel like a lot of people going into COVID, potentially just going and completing the d- defensive just because it was they looked at their cash flow not in a good spot or whatever. And then there'll be some people like you, I feel like, that rec- tries to recognise opportunities and haven't dropped your targets or whatever. So I was just keen to get a bit of perspective <laughs> on what your goals were before and if they've stayed the same and how have you gone about still trying to achieve the growth and the opportunity and the, the, the things that you wanted to before all this shit went down, basically. Yeah, I mean, I mean, mate, firstly, but
1: you know, how, how, how tough is that, right? Q, Q2 unprecedented there's it's not a there's not a rule book that exists there's no path that's been trodden in the past so in the past sorry so you know you're trying to instill confidence and and i think in that you you, you have to show a great deal of authenticity um and empathy and and as a leadership team we were brilliant but right? you know just we're able to to move quickly and adjust and innovate and and rethink our pricing repoint resources into areas and of demand, and we, you know, we did that quickly. And as as you mentioned, you know, the right financial and, and performance metrics in place are, are critical to being able to not only just compete in Q2, but to sustain growth in Q2 is really important as well. We were 94% of target for our Q2, and that was the, that Q2 target we set ourselves last year. Wow. We didn't move it; we kept, we kept that in place. So, so we performed well in that quarter. Um, um but you know, it's it's there's a there's a number of things that, that we were able to do in, in in quarter two that didn't look like growth. You know, that we were able to we were able to improve a lot of the infrastructure that we had in the business. We, we hired Cara from Faden as our director of talent that could help us on the resource plans. We built out our organizational structures, um, not just this year for for next year for, for, for growth. And and actually, the leadership team were incredible, and, and the individuals we had in the business really did apply to themselves, so um, I, you know, I think I think we saw it as an opportunity to grow. Actually, we we, we were in a good good position, um, and we felt you know recruitment is a is a saturated market, and as the market contracts, there's still opportunity for market share um, because it's such a saturated market. So if our competitors are over, overly utilizing furlough, you know, we could there's an opportunity for us to maybe speak to clients that we wouldn't have done otherwise, and and um and we, we you know we applied ourselves and we continue to to compete and we felt that you know you treat people the right way correctly and come out of it the other side stronger than ever so yeah we, um yeah, it yeah. Was hard, you know i'm not i'm not, not going to like glorify the period it was difficult for everyone it's been and difficult
0: yeah i yeah. think what, yeah. what what i'm keen to ask you Ash, just before i let you go is um you spoke, you're clearly, the sort of journey that you've been on, you've recognized and been on the journey of the importance of values, vision, people, culture, these things, spoken a lot about that. And I think from the conversations that I'm having, I don't know sort of what your perspective is, but from the conversations that I've been having, it seems like this period has enabled um, employees to look at in the mirror, which is their, the business they work for and look at their culture. And if it's a business they support, a business that they like, a business that they're proud to be a part of during this period, or it's left people disappointed and they're going, you know what, I've hated how Ash has dealt with this or whatever, right? So I guess the question is really is like, how much do you think that investment in your culture has helped you achieve those things and have helped you during the last three, four months?
1: Critical, 100% critical.
0: It's, it's it's very
1: difficult to um, you know very difficult indeed to 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 keep a business together right when everyone's kind of working from from home. It's really difficult, but culture and accountability and engagement and having a great leadership team is is critical to that. So so yeah, without absolutely without without our our culture, we wouldn't we wouldn't probably you know. But it's very difficult. I think I think to continue to to compete in Q2 and 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 hire talent is is it is another thing i think you know that's just us demonstrating our continued investment back into the business and you know we'll 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 come out this come out the other side stronger than ever i think i think just uh i guess pick up on on that point i think it's easy it's easy to to do well in a in a good market you know it's it's a little bit like you know we've we've grown from you know, not to not to ninety people in a relatively short period of time over a seven-year period, and you know, I've won awards at best agency with, with one of the brands at every single awards you know you know um, does out out there, or the or, or the ones that are worth attending anyway. And you're a little bit like imposter imposter syndrome, you know, you're a little bit like you know, this is this is easy. We we, we we're in awards, and we're we're hiring great people, and our business is growing. And you sort of think that it's come around a little bit too easy and actually the covid period was a great test of that it was it was a you know that imposter syndrome has definitely gone um and and yeah it's, it's it was a bit of a bit of a reality check and and we you know as i say we've reevaluated the business got the right financial and performance metrics in place and, and we're in a really good place for for growth and internationalization for, for the rest of this year but it was a tough period and and um, you know, let's let's see whether or not it, it returns again. But certainly, we've started to see some confidence in the market come back already.
0: Love that, Ash. Final question, really. How how do you see how do you see the the land lay over the next six or twelve months? What do you think will be the the biggest shift? Do you think in the the recruitment industry? Um, in the, in the UK recruitment industry. What whatever um, just whatever comes to mind. What do you think? What do you think will Stay or how do you think the land will lay as we all start to come back out of this? I think I think it's a really difficult question. Uh, I thought I was done about five minutes.
1: Ago. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, it's, you know, I think I think I I think certainly, you know, we're mindful of mindful of I35, mindful of Brexit in the UK. So, you know, a lot of businesses now, if they're not, they should be looking to internationalise um Making, you know, we got our office, and it was a big investment for us in in, in the US. And we've we've also got kind of a big strategic focus for us towards towards DAX in, in Switzerland and in Germany. I think we'll certainly see more uh, UK businesses looking to diversify outside of the UK and internationalize. I think it's absolutely certain that 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 will that will happen. I think. um I think recruiters quite rightly will will expect flexibility in working conditions. You know, I, I was a little bit surprised to see so many businesses go back to the office and wearing it with a badge of honour that they were back in the office. And it, I don't know. For me, I just felt that you're sort of missing the point a little bit and overlooking the the safety piece. And you know, we're we're not returning to the office. We'll review it on on the first on of September. But you know, we sort of came out and said we won't, won't be returning and I think quite rightly, um, people aren't overly comfortable with the you know, public transport situations over the next six months, I, I don't see that going anywhere. I think businesses will have to adjust if they don't, they'll lose people. You know, the, the, those people go to businesses that may be better equipped and more susceptible to having people work from home and giving them a bit more flexibility and, and ultimately trust. Uh, so I think those, those working conditions um, will, be, will be really interesting to, to, to see what evolves. And then I think, then I think, um, then I think, you know, we 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 might see some 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 growth uh, in a in a handful of sectors, some some, some interesting sectors. I think we will see spikes in, in growth in a, in a couple of those. So, software engineering as a as an example.
0: Ash, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Pleasure, mate. Thanks very much. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really want to ensure this podcast remains valuable and relevant for all of you. If you have topics or questions you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. Best place to get me is on LinkedIn. Just search Hesham and drop me a message. I would love to hear from you. Finally, if you have two minutes, it would be greatly appreciated If you could leave an honest review for the podcast, it will simply mean that I can reach more people with this podcast. You can easily leave a review for the podcast by clicking the link in the episode notes or by going to ratethispodcast.com forward slash rollercoaster. Thank you again for listening.